0: Well, good morning. My name is Brian. I'm your pastor. (laughs) And I know some of you have probably been here maybe a couple weeks and like, who's the heck is this guy? Um, This is my first time ever to have had four weeks off in uh, nine and a half years here. So um, I want to say, first of all, thanks uh, to Chris and Buddy for leading out. Um, You guys are in great hands Uh, whenever I've been gone, and I want you guys to know how much I appreciate them, how they can unpack God's word, how they can speak the word of truth to you as well, and I hope you understand the blessing that we have uh, with that, that we're encouraged by great men who can lead us in that. If you have your Bibles, turn to Deuteronomy chapter 30. Anybody ever here been stuck? Maybe stuck in life, maybe stuck in the mud, maybe stuck in snow? or on ice? Anybody ever been in a, in, in a situation where you're like, I just don't know if I can get out of this? Right? Like, I remember uh, one time, a matter of fact, uh, we used to go to this place called the Blacks. And the reason they were called the Blacks is there were these black dirt mounds uh, it was a big area right outside Cheyenne, Wyoming, that uh, was, was jumps, motorcycles, and four-wheelers. And, well, at the time, let me clarify. Motorcycles and three-wheelers, for those of you who are old, know what I'm talking about, right? Motorcycles and three-wheelers used to go out there. And then every now and then, you would see a Jeep or a four-by-four pickup going out. And I remember one time, we were riding our bikes. This is how awesome we were. We would go out to the blacks with our BMX pedal bikes, right and you could only hit certain you could only hit certain jumps because some of those motorcycle jumps were like a 30 foot incline and they just launch off these things well you don't have enough strength to go up that with a BMX bike so but we would hit certain jumps and I'll never forget the day that we were watching these jeeps out there and there was this big area of mud and these jeeps kept going through the side and they would go tearing through it And then all of a sudden you see one stop and it, You could see what was going to happen. I'm going through the middle. And this Jeep starts tearing through the middle, and it makes about halfway, and it goes. And it just sinks. And I mean, this water is up. It's over the hood of the Jeep. And so the other Jeep goes, hey, stay there. I'll come get you. Stuck. So another Jeep pulls up, and he's like, well, you guys are stuck there. I'm going to back in a little ways. I'll throw you a rope. I'll pull you out. That Jeep gets stuck. So it ends up, we end up having three Jeeps stuck in the mud, and then another truck pulls up, and he pulls the first Jeep out, which then pulls the second Jeep out, working together. And I'll never forget that, because I thought about that as I was preparing this, this sermon today, is this idea of how we oftentimes get stuck in life. Like We goof around and we do some things, we kind of hit the edges of of what's going on, but then when we're like, fine, I, I got my feet a little bit wet, I'm a little bit ready, and then we're like, I'm going to take on the middle, and you take the middle and you go, and you get stuck. And that may be where you're at in your spiritual life. You may be at a point in time where you're like, I don't know how to overcome what's going on in my life. I'm dealing with circumstances and situations that right now I am struggling with. It may be frustration, it may be anger, it may be resentment, it may be honestly that you're looking at life and you've, you've kind of messed with and, and, and dabbled on the edges of Christianity. Yeah, you've been faithful in church, but when the reality was you set out to get really involved and you really wanted to grow, you hit this, this, this pond, you hit this lake area and you stuck, you sunk. Because oftentimes what we end up trying to do is we try and do things in our own, on our own power, in our own way, free from or free and clear from any sort of accountability, even connection in relationship to those within the church. And so what we're going to do over the next couple of weeks is talk about how do we get unstuck in life? How do we move from, from monotony to maturity, right? Right? Because for some of us, let's, let's be realistic. Some of you guys, some of us have been, have been believers for years, and you've walked a walk, and maybe you kind of have gotten used to the, the, the routine, and it becomes mundane to a certain extent. And so how do we move from this mundane idea, this monotonous idea, into a mature relationship that, that honestly looks at what we talk about? Great is thy faithfulness, right? Right? How do I experience the faithfulness of God day in and day out? How do I walk step by step in every circumstance and in every situation with Jesus? So if you have your Bibles, turn to Deuteronomy chapter 30. Deuteronomy is a book in the Old Testament to give you an idea of what Deuteronomy is about. Uh, Deuteronomy is kind of a highlight of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers kind of all rolled into one. It's, it's Moses' magnum opus, if you want to call it. It's his work of perfection. He's reminding the, the Israelite people of what happened in the past, where they were at, and then he's preparing them to go into the promised land. And so we're into Deuteronomy chapter 30, and as we set this off, I want to give you just a little bit of context of what's going on. In, in in this in, in sorry, Deuteronomy chapter twenty-nine, Moses reminds the people in verse two, he says, Your eyes have seen all that the Lord did in Egypt to Pharaoh and to all his officials and to all his land. With your own eyes you saw those great trials, you saw the miraculous signs, and you saw the great wonders. But to this day the Lord has not given you a mind that understands or sees that or, or eyes that see or ears that hear. And then he goes on, and he says this. In verse six, you ate no bread and you drank no wine or other fermented drink. And I did this, I did all of those signs so that you might know that I am the Lord, your God. So when we start talking about this idea of crying out Yahweh, Yahweh. When we start understanding what it means to cry out for the name of the Lord, that we, that we don't get stuck in the monotonous everyday things. So if you have our Bibles again, Deuteronomy chapter 30, starting in verse 11. And it says this, now what I am commanding you today is not too difficult for you or beyond your reach. It is not up in heaven so that you have to ask who will ascend into heaven to get it and proclaim it to us so we may obey it. Nor is it beyond the sea so that you have to ask who will cross the sea to get it and proclaim it to us so we may obey it. No, the word is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart so you may obey it. See, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, to keep his commands, decrees and laws. Then, everybody say then, then you will live and increase and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering to possess. But if your heart turns away and you are not obedient, And if you are drawn away to bow down to other gods and worship them, I declare to you this day that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live long in the land you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. This day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now, everybody say now. So we talked about then, now we're talking about now. Now choose life. So that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice and hold fast to him. For the Lord is your life and he will give you many years in the land he swore to give to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. See, when I talk about this idea of being stuck and dealing with being stuck, we can all get stuck spiritually because of bad habits. It could be bad choices. It could be hurts in our lives that have come about. I mean, I want you to think about this. Oftentimes when we've been stuck in some way, shape, or form, I can look at my life and say, man, there were some bad choices that led me into a deep mess, and that deep mess was not a result of God God doing things that were drawn out. It was choices that I made, and as a result of the choices I made, now I'm suffering the consequences of the choices I made. Now, here's what's going on in Deuteronomy. God is preparing his people to enter into the promised land. They've been brought out of slavery. They've been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. You guys remember what's what the reason for the wandering for 40 years? For 40 years, the people wandered as a result of disobedience. God told them to go and take the land that he was giving them, a land flown with milk and honey. And the people voted and said, no way, we'd rather go back to Egypt. No way, we're going to listen to the, the two spies who said it. We're going to listen to the 10 who said it's, it's too hard, that, that these people are so big. And so as a result, God sends the people to wander in the wilderness for 40 years years until they're all going to pass away. And the new generation is going to rise up and they're going to go in and they're going to take control of this promised land. And what's happening here is Moses is telling the people at this point, he's reminding them of their past. He's telling them about the promise of the future. And he's basically telling them this, when you go into the promised land, you have two choices you're going to have to make. You're gonna have to choose to walk in obedience to God that's gonna lead to life and blessings or you're gonna choose to walk in disobedience to God which is gonna lead to death and destruction. Now here's the reality of what plays out in our lives usually. We like to make sure that we can mess around just a little bit with the death and destruction areas, right? God, let me do this. But when I went out, you got to get me the quick bailout, right? It's like the ejection seat. Like I want to fly in my own mess, but when I get in too far, I want to hit the eject button and you need to be there to bail me out. And what we see is we have to begin to prepare to make wise decisions so that we can be all that God created us to be so that we don't walk in a stuck life. See, the book of Deuteronomy is written to these people of Israel at the end of their 40 years, and it's about looking back at the disobedience while at the same time looking and seeing God's faithfulness. See, here's the crazy thing about it. God was always faithful to the promises he made. God will always be faithful to the promises he makes to his people what we oftentimes find is the people who are unfaithful cry out and say, God, you're not faithful when the reality is God has always been faithful even though his people haven't been faithful. You get that? So in order to get out of the rut or in order to get out of the monotony that oftentimes takes place in our life, we have to begin to look at what God wants to do in our life so that we can experience the beauty of him every day, that every morning he shows me his new mercies that I get to experience the life of abundance that he offers me and he promised me. See, Moses never taught the Israelites. It was about knowing the law. Moses taught the people that they were justified by faith. And that starts in Genesis chapter 15 when he points out that Abraham was justified by faith, not by works and not by obeying the law a matter of fact, what we see in scripture is that Jesus fulfills the law that none of us can fulfill on our own. He even says it. I did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it so that you and I would be declared righteous in Christ because we can't fulfill the law, but he can. So here's the big idea. If you remember anything from today, I want you to remember this, that loving God and walking in obedience to him allows me to enjoy the life and blessings he gives. Everybody keep this in mind. Loving God and walking in obedience to him allows me to enjoy the life and the blessings that he is going to give. That's what we see in this scripture. And when I walk in disobedience, I have to understand this, that when I walk in disobedience, What I have done is ask God to remove his hand from my life and to let me do what I want. And when we do that, we should not expect the blessings and the favor of God in our life. It's never gonna happen that way. I mean, I kind of, I've always looked at it this way as a parent, right? If my kids walk in disobedience, do I reward them? No, because all you're doing is showing them, hey, you get something for doing something that was bad oh, you disobeyed me. Here, here's a new car. Anybody ever going to do that? I mean, not that I do that anyways, right? Oh, you obeyed me. You get a new car. Nope. Right? But here is the reality of what plays out. So here's the question. How do we get unstuck in life? Now, Oftentimes we want to read scripture and we want to go, yeah, what is this saying to me? And I I believe that we always have to do that. How do I apply this? But what we have to do is learn from the past so that we don't repeat the same thing in the future, correct? Right? That's something America needs to do at some point. That's something our government has to go, hey, don't go down this stupid road. We saw this a couple years ago and we're repeating the same thing, right? But the people of the church, the people of God have to do the same thing. Because all throughout the Old Testament, what we saw with the Israelites was repetition. Pastor Buddy talked about that last week, right? There was a, a scenario, there was a situation that came out where the people would consistently go back and do things. God would deliver, God would bring, or I mean, sorry, they would sin, right? God would bring consequences, the people would repent, God would, be, would bring joy and prosperity and, and he would restore them and then the people would start to cycle all over again. Listen, God wants us to walk in victory, not defeat. God wants us to conquer sin and death through Christ's power, not to give in to sin and death. He did not, he doesn't want us get us getting tired of doing good and to, to to get tired of impacting the world with the truth of the gospel. So how do we get unstuck with life? Number one, I believe, is this we have to be honest with where we are. You and I have to be honest with where you are. You know if you're stuck or not. You know where you stand in your relationship with Jesus Christ. You knew where you stand in relationship to obedience and or disobedience. And no matter where you are in life now, you don't have to walk in a mundane, monotonous life. You can walk in victory. But that victory is not based upon you choosing to walk in victory. That victory is based upon the faith that you have in Jesus as he works in your life because he wants to change who you are. So, you have to be honest with where you're at. And listen, here's the great thing about church for most people you could put on a fake facade and you can act all you want in front of everybody. Like I could put on a facade as the pastor and act a certain way. But the reality is, God knows the heart. God knows your heart. God knows my heart. God knows the heart of every individual here in this room. And when I say this idea that you have to be honest with where you're at, that's why you have to be honest with where you're at. Because God is the one who knows your heart. You can put on an act for a pastor. You could put on an act for your life group. You could put on an act for anybody else that's in front, but God knows your heart and God knows where you're at. Listen to what happens with Moses. Moses is reminding Israel that the law is not too difficult or beyond their reach at this point in time. He says, listen to what he says. Now, what I am commanding you today is not too difficult for you or beyond your reach. So he's saying, listen, don't get so caught up in everything that you become overwhelmed because it's not that difficult. It's not that difficult to find God. It's not that difficult to walk in obedience to God when I allow the Lord to rule and reign in my life. What is difficult is when we try and do it on our own, and that's what he's unpacking. In verse 12, he says, it is not up in heaven so that you may have to ask who will ascend and go get it. It's not across the sea, so you're gonna have to ask who can go get it and proclaim it to us, so we may obey it, nor is it beyond, uh, or sorry, who will cross the sea to get it and proclaim it, but he says, no, the word is very very near, it is in your mouth and in your heart so that you may obey it. Now, I want to draw your attention to something because I think it's important for us to understand with this whole idea of being honest with where you are. In Romans chapter 10, Paul references this verse right here, verse 14. And you're like, what? No way. Flip over to Romans chapter 10. The crazy thing about Romans chapter 10 Starting in verse 5, it says this, Moses describes in this way, the righteousness that is by the law, the man who does these things will live by them. But the righteousness that is by faith says, do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the deep, that is to bring Christ up. But what does it say? The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we are proclaiming. Now, listen. Listen. That if we confess that Jesus is Lord with our mouth and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Paul just referenced the very foundation with which Moses was reminding the people of Israel about what it means to walk by faith, and that faith is not by works so that anyone can boast, but it is the profession or the confession of the believer who believes that Jesus died on the cross and confesses with their mouth that he rose from the grave. That is where you've got to be honest with. That is where you have to evaluate yourself. Am I a believer based upon faith, not by works? Do I understand the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus? The death of Jesus Christ was the paid sacrifice for the sins of the world. And listen, we unpacked a lot when we talk about sins when we try to identify what it means to walk in holiness and what it means to be a person who struggles with the sins in our lives. But it's important for us to understand what Paul is unpacking as he relates to what's going on in Deuteronomy because God has a promised land for you. He's got a future and a hope for you. He's got great purpose and great value. But listen, when you walk into disobedience, you say, listen, I want God for fire insurance or I want God so I can have a relationship with him, but I still wanna do my own stuff. That's not faith. That's works. Because what you're asking God to do is to hit the eject button when the going gets tough. So number one, how do I get unstuck? I have to be honest with where I'm at spiritually. Are you in a relationship with Jesus Christ or are you not? Do you have a growing relationship with him or do you want to consistently walk towards sin and then ask Jesus to bail you out? See, it... This this whole idea of where we stand is is the, the foundation for what we're looking at. If I want to get out of the rut and the monotony, then I have to be honest with where I'm at. Number two, how do I get unstuck from the rut? Then number two, I have to do this. I have to choose to live life to the fullest. Listen to what he says. Verse 15, see, keep in mind, this is Moses talking But he says this, based upon the words of the Lord, see, I set before you today life and prosperity or death and destruction. Life and prosperity or death and destruction. Now, I always have to clarify this, and it's sad that you have to do this in today's world because most people will be like, oh, prosperity. Look, health health and wealth gospel. He's talking about, I'm going to be rich. Man, man. There's so much bad interpretation there in Scripture when people think, if I just walk in obedience, I'm going to be loaded financially. Last I checked, Jesus didn't have a house, didn't have a place to sleep. Talks about that. The disciples all struggled to make ends meet, but yet at the same time always had enough. God always says, I will provide everything you need not necessarily an abundance of material possessions, but for some reason, we've got in our mind, hey, if I want to be prosperous financially, or if I want to be loaded with everything, then I got to do what God's talking about. That's not what he's talking about here. He's talking about being prosperous in everything, your relationships, the eternal things that you're going to face. See, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. So when I talk about this whole idea, he begins to unpack what we see in verse 16. He says, for today, I command you to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, and to keep his commands. Here's what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 22, right? Teacher of law comes to him and says, what's the greatest commandment? What does Jesus say? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And then to love your neighbor as yourself. Now, number one always supersedes and exceeds number two. And number two has been used by many today to see, you don't call me out for sin because you're not loving your neighbor. No, number one always supersedes number two. Now, number two is never an excuse to treat somebody badly either. Because if I love God with all my heart, then I look at somebody who's lost or I look at somebody who's struggling with sin and I say, I can call them out for sin, but I don't have to be a jerk about it. Does that clarify some of those things? But when he's talking about this idea of choose to live life to the fullest, he's laid it before us And God has said, if you walk in obedience to me, then you're going to walk in a life of prosperity because I will always provide everything you need. I will give you the answers to life, the decisions you need to make. I will point you in the right direction. I will take you to places you could never fathom or imagine. But listen, before you is also the path of death and destruction. And here's what's crazy about it the path of death and destruction always seems to be easier to follow. Because we like things that we like. We like the sins that so easily entangle us. See, what Moses is reminding the people of here is what you would choose, what you choose affects the outcomes of your life. People don't like to hear that Oftentimes. But the choices you make affect the outcome of what goes on in your life. If you want to experience the blessings of God, love God. Walk in obedience to him. Live by his word. But if you don't walk in obedience to him, then you're not going to receive the blessings that God wants to give you in the first place. It's never going to happen. God is not going to reward you for walking in disobedience. And here's the crazy thing about that. As a matter of fact, the week we were uh, down in Branson a couple weeks ago, the the service we went to at Woodland Hills Church down there, (laughs) he said the exact same thing. Here's the beauty. Here's what takes place. Here's what we have to begin to understand. God will never tell you to do something that's contrary to his word. He will never approve it. He will never condone it. He will never let you off the hook. Jesus will deal with all your sins because he is faithful and just to forgive us of any and all unrighteousness. But he will never allow you to stray from his word. Or He will, you may stray. He will never allow you to be blessed by him when you consistently and constantly stray from his word. So number one, we said, how do I get unstuck? I gotta be honest with where I'm at. You could put on a fake facade, You can hide it from everybody else, but you can't hide it from God. Number two, you have to choose to live life to the fullest. See, if the people listen to God, they walk in obedience, they will experience the blessings beyond their wildest dreams. If they don't obey God, then life's gonna get tough. It's gonna be tougher, and they're not gonna experience the things of dreams, they're gonna experience the things of their nightmares. And that's the promise. It isn't so much reward and punishment but it's the principle that true blessings are found only in following God. That's where the true blessings come. Number three, how do I get unstuck? I have to deal with idolatry and other sins. Listen to what he says, starting in verse 17. If your heart turns away and you're not obedient, and if you are drawn away to bow to other gods and worship them, then I declare to you this day that you will certainly Be destroyed, you will not live long in the land you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. Now, I'm not gonna spend a lot of time because I feel like we've kind of dealt with this, but listen, God is setting before the people of Israel the reality of what happens when sin is our focus. When the sin of the Israelites was their focus, then they're going to experience the death and destruction. As a matter of fact, what we know from history is this: that the people of Israel went in, they claimed the land, and then they say, We want a king. We want to be like everybody else. We want a king. And so over the years, we see three kings kind of rise up. We got Saul, then we have David, then we have Solomon. And then the nation splits to the north and south. And the north falls first, and then the south falls later. All because, listen, the people followed their kings into disobedience, They began to allow different idols to be worshipped and different religions to be practiced and different things to go on. And these people of God began to kind of mix things together and go, I'll take a little bit of Christianity or a little bit of this Jesus Yahweh thing and I'll, I'll throw in some of these false beliefs from these other countries and these other nations. And God says, that's it, I'm done. And what you don't realize oftentimes is this, that we see that played out And then the minor prophets and the major prophets are proclaiming the word of the Lord against the people of Israel and they're not repenting per se. Some do, some don't. There's some relenting on on God's part, but eventually they all fall. The north falls to the Assyrians. The south eventually falls to the Babylonians. And then there's silence. Over 450 years of silence. Silence where the people of God didn't hear a word from him. And then guess who shows up on the scene? Guess who changes all eternity? Because this man named Jesus, this child named Jesus is born of a virgin. And as a result of his birth and then his life and his ministry and his death on the cross, he pays the way and God has spoken to his people finally through Jesus. Jesus. And so when he talks about this idea of dealing with idolatry and sin, we have to understand because when sin is the focus of our life, we're always going to feel stuck. We're always going to feel like we're repeating the same mistakes. We don't walk in victory. We don't walk in blessing. We don't walk in abundance because oftentimes we choose to drive into the muddy pits and the mud holes of life without the proper tools to get unstuck. We'll unpack a little bit more of that. But I remember going to Alaska. Golly, it's been 13 years ago, 12 years ago. We went up there for Christmas. And my brother-in-law looked at my my dad and I. He's like, you guys want to go out four-wheeling? Dude, we're in Alaska, right? It's December. Temperatures were like hitting zero. Like that was the high for the day for all of you who complain about being cold. Zero was the high, right? And I'm like, sure, Well, we go out four wheeling. I mean, like we're running down this area. He's like, this is a river. I'm like, what? We're driving on a river. He's like, well, it's frozen. It's not, we're fine. We're driving all over the place, seeing moose running around. Well, as we start to come back for the night, he goes through this area and we sink just. Now he's got a big rock crawl. He's got like 35 inch tires. We're up out of the water, right? The water's up about right to the base of the chassis. And I'm like, what are we doing now, dude? We're in this big hole of water and it's cold. Like anybody want to climb out of the Jeep, walk through some water? Right? Like, I'm not getting out and getting wet. I don't want to die. <laughs> right? But he's like, Oh, it's no big deal, watch this. And he unhooks his winch, he pulls it all out. He's like, Jump out over there and I'll throw you the winch. You wrap around the tree. All right. So we get the winch. I run to the big tree. I run the quarter the the, the cable around it. Pulls right out. Jesus is the winch of life. That when you make the dumb decision to drive into things like that, when it's zero degrees out, or you make the decision to walk into a life of sin, and you've made that decision, Jesus is the winch that's going to pull you out. Jesus is the winch, the saving thing, the saving person who wants to get you out of the mess that you have placed yourself in. But listen to me, Christians, as a result, as a result of Jesus' death on the cross, It doesn't mean that I continue to walk in a life of sin, but it means that I pursue a life of walking in the Spirit, that I starve the flesh and I feed the Spirit. So in order to walk in a blessed life, I have to deal with the idols and sin that goes on. And number four, how do I deal with getting unstuck or how can I get unstuck? That I have to choose the life of abundance Jesus offers. Listen to what he says in verse 19. This day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you. I have set before you life and death, blessing and curses. Now listen to what he says. Now choose life so that you and your children may live. Please hear me out when I say this. I believe in order for us to get unstuck that we have to choose the life of abundance Jesus offers. That means I make a daily decision to experience the mercy of God every day by digging into his word. That I make a decision to wake up and say, my priority is God first before news and social media. That I wake up and I say, I've got to take the time to invest in and pour in and disciple my kids so that they follow Jesus. Because when I teach a son or a daughter the way he will go, they will never depart. Even though they may walk into certain areas, they will never depart that I have to make the priorities and decisions to choose the life that God wants because if I want the blessings and the abundance of life, then I have to choose. Now, choose life that you and your children may live. You know how you get unstuck? You be honest. And as you're honest, you pursue God daily. You realize, listen, please hear me out when I say this. A pastor that will tell you that you'll never sin is full of baloney. First John, if anyone claims to be without sin, he's a liar. So you sinned, right? Okay. So a pastor who would stand up here and tell you that you're never going to sin is full of baloney. But listen, here's the struggle. When I sin. I go to Jesus and I confess it because he's faithful and just to forgive me of any and all unrighteousness. But Galatians also says this, that it's important that as we're following Jesus, that we realize that it's not a license to do whatever the heck we want. It's not the ability to say, I'm going to walk in freedom, so I'm going to go and have fun and then I'll ask for forgiveness later. No, that's called you are enslaved to sin when what the Bible says is that we should be enslaved to the Spirit. That we allow the Spirit to lead us in any and every direction. Because He is the one, as we pursue God in His Word, as we walk in obedience to Him, He is the one that is going to correct you and train you and call you to righteousness and convict you of the sins that you got to deal with. So listen, getting unstuck is a work of God because we are doing the work of pursuing him. God reveals or pulls you out of the mess because you call upon him first and foremost, as we talked about at the start. And when I've confessed those sins and I walk through that, then I pursue him on a daily basis. Please hear me out when I say this. I believe one of the greatest things God wants you to experience right now is to walk in freedom. To walk with peace, to walk with hope, to know that there's a future that is greater than you could even imagine, but you and I have to walk in obedience in order to experience that. And hear me out when I say this. I believe that your dreams and your visions of what the future may look like will change drastically. And here's the reason why. Because your dreams no longer become priority and the dreams that God has for you are placed upon your heart. And you say, God, whatever it is you have for me, I am willing and I am ready to follow you in obedience because that's what you've called me to do. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your faithfulness, your faithfulness to the Israelite people as they walked through 40 years of wilderness. We thank you for the opportunities that, they, that we have even as, as they walk through the wilderness, they, they got to see your faithfulness and your deliverance. And God, oftentimes when we're walking through the wilderness, we see your faithfulness and deliverance and maybe we don't recognize it or we don't see the beauty of how you're trying to lead us out of slavery and out of this wilderness into a promised land, a, a promised hope and a future. God, I know that today you have so much in store for so many people, that everyone here has sins and difficulties and struggles that they may be dealing with. And God, I pray that each one of us can lay our our sins and the things that maybe we have allowed to sit on the thrones of our heart, that we would lay those at their feet, that we would lay down our crowns before you, that we would acknowledge you and worship you for who you are, a loving father who sent his son to die on the cross for the sins of the world, that Jesus died and rose again, offering us life and life more abundantly. And you now, as a result of Jesus going to the father, have sent your spirit who empowers us, who emboldens us, who gives us the words to speak, who corrects us, who trains us, and who honestly calls us into conviction. Father, we worship you as Father, Son, and Spirit, one God, three distinct persons, unified in character, unified in purpose. And we thank you for your faithfulness because you have never left us or forsaken us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.